Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, my good friend, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Crisson. How you doing, brother? Raising the roof on a Saturday morning. I like being live on YouTube because I can just look however I please. You know, t- I got the Kennedy Catholic t-shirt on. I'm doing it the wrong way. Go Eagles. Yeah. I got, you know, ice cream on the headwear. We're, we're live on a Saturday morning here on YouTube. And of course, um, on a replay, wherever podcasts are found here on DK Pittsburgh Sports, as we are every Saturday. Gary, good to be back. We're going yeah. football heavy today. I think for once, the basketball engine has slowed down a little bit when it comes to Pitt. And that's not, not necessarily a bad thing. But totally today, there's agree. a lot of football stuff to get into. I totally agree. I th- I think today what we ought to do, because it is a slow news week, let's just be honest. We don't have a lot of material for you. There's not a lot going on at school when school's closed. Let's just be honest. Nothing <laughs> there's, current. Nothing there's current some, events-wise, yeah. Yeah, there's some grad students running around. But, like, <laughs> you know, there's just not a whole lot going on. So I, I think what we need to do is is take a way too early look at the ACC and how the football teams look. Mm-hmm. How's the competition look? I mean, everyone just assumes it's Clemson every year, right? Let's let's talk through it. Is it Clemson this year? I mean, what are what is really in Pitt's way? Do they have a path to this thing? Let's, well, saying, let's use today's show to, to lay that out. Yeah, let's do some, I guess, not way too early, but still too early, you know, standings for the ACC because let's face it, you know, transfers still could come in, recruits could still come in, all that other stuff. And sure, like literally 10 minutes before we hit record today, um, Pitt's 2024 class picked up another player. So 17 for that class. Um, another, you know, Pitt is it, Pat signal coming from Coach Narduzzi. <laughs> um, and we're going to get into, believe me, we're going to get more into the Coach Prime, Coach Dues uh, feud, if you want to call it that later in the show, but yeah, in a, in a too early, not way too early, but too early look at the ACC. Yeah. Clemson's going to be there. Yeah. Florida state. Like there's a lot of expectation around Florida state this year to potentially win the league. And that's because they have a returning quarterback in Jordan Travis, who's expected to be one of the best, if not perhaps the best, like second to Caleb Williams at USC in the country, like one of the best quarterbacks in the country, people are thinking. And then you look at Jared Verse, who could have been an arguable top 15 pick in the draft if he would have won out, but he chose to stay another year, probably going to be like top five next year now. But I did. It's funny we brought this up because we took like time before the show. Of course, we do this every week to discuss what we're going to talk about, how we're going to lay it out. And I took like 10 minutes to find it. And it was in my live queues from mid April. And I did a <laughs> too early ACC standings. And cause somebody asked me, you know, where do you think Pitt slots in? And that's really what this goes back to. Where does Pitt slot in as of right now among powers in the ACC? And when I broke it down and I really sat down to take time to think about it, I went Florida state one. I went Clemson two. I went North Carolina three and I went Pitt fourth. And I want your reaction to that, Gary, because I think, again, Florida State, for reasons mentioned, Clemson, we know how strong their recruiting is. We know how strong their roster is. North Carolina, it all comes down to Drake May. I put North Carolina ahead of Pitt because I do see a a route where North Carolina and Pitt finish with the same record. But obviously, North Carolina, I think, beats Pitt 
this season because of Drake May, and that's why I put North Carolina at three ahead of Pitt. Keep in mind with the ACC this year, no divisions. It's it's one big standings now. There's no Coastal. There's no Atlantic. It's right. all one now. So the top two teams, the top two finishers in the league, will play each other for the ACC championship. So right now, as of where we're at, June 10th, I have Florida State versus Clemson in the ACC championship. And then you look at North Carolina, I have Pitt at four. I have NC State at five. So that rounds out my top five. Pitt, by that point, would still get to a pretty good bowl game. You know, potentially another, I would say maybe like an eight and four, or like, a, you know, if you want to project those wins, I think they hit that over. I think it was six and a half set by Vegas. But what's your reaction to that? I have Pitt fourth behind Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina as of this moment. I have North Carolina winning the ACC because mm-hmm. I think Drake May is the best quarterback in, in the league. I really do. I, I think he's, he's to me, the one that looked the most polished last year. And if they can protect him better than they did last year, I, I think they have a really good shot to be a very strong football team. Uh, Florida State, I have to see something to believe the hype. I just I haven't I haven't thought anything has ever come together for them really under mm-hmm. this coaching staff. I mean, Mike Norvell's done a good job there, and he has turned that program around, and I, I get it. But they tend to get impatient too, right when they start getting close, and you know it's almost like uh, I don't feel like they they take the full step you have to do to actually become a credible team. They they try to reach for it. Um, Clemson's always there, but Clemson again, there it's all about their quarterback play. Is it going to, is it going to be good? Is it not this year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody does. I have We're pit not fourth. Sure. We're not sure. I have pit fourth. Yeah. So yeah. Pit fourth. I, and I, I, cause I, again, I, man, we spent a lot of time believing in Mario Cristobal last year in Miami, didn't we? And bro, I'm not going to do it again. We saw not. what happened in that final game. We all saw yeah. it. And that's I'm just like, not going to do it. And by that point, keep in mind with Pitt, like, okay, the team gave up on Keaton Slovis. He he kind of gave up on them by that point, right? As evidenced by what Marquez Williams said this week. Did you see that, by the way, on Twitter? The absolute fire. Oh, Marquez Williams. Somebody, somebody tweeted about Keaton Slovis and, like, you know, Hope Springs Eternal at BYU and all this other stuff. And Marquez Williams just took an absolute punch and was like, paraphrasing here he was like i wish we had them on the schedule so we could make him quit like he did on us and i was like (laughs) whoa buddy great tweet thanks for the fire but whoa buddy like it was that so by that point i'm assuming uh they would have already given up on him if that if what marquez is saying is true and then like Miami just looked so sloppy in that game, if you remember, too. Absolutely. Like, you would have thought by that point, I know their quarter, both their quarterbacks went down with injuries at certain points, and that obviously takes the wind out of the sails. But there were just some plays where, like, defeatist attitude took over for the, for the Hurricanes. And this is like, I can't remember their exact record, but I believe they were fighting for a bowl spot, if, if my memory serves correctly. So, like, they had stakes to play for. They had a season to play for. They had something to play for. They just absolutely laid an egg. So, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not high on Miami either. I actually have them eighth right now. Oh, wow. I have, so, if we're going to go, if we can keep going here, I've pit four, NC State five. I put Duke six, 
And I think Duke under Mike Elko can make a huge step this year. Just with recruiting, another year of recruiting, another year of system, another year of just everything. I put Louisville at seven because I think there's a couple of games that the Cardinals can actually sneak away with. Jeff Brom, obviously, tremendous head coach from uh, Purdue coming over, you know, to take over that program that he once played for. I got Louisville seven. I got Miami eight. I got Wake Forest nine and Virginia Tech rounding out my top 10. And I put Syracuse at 12, so don't call me a homer. Um, Dave, oh, Dino Babers, this is it. Like, <laughs> this is it. Put it up, put up or shut up. I mean, that's what it is for Dino Babers this year. Garrett Schrader is a good quarterback. I don't believe in a Ronde Gadsden as a number one. I just don't. No more Sean Tucker. I got him at 12, and I'll, I'll wallow in the sorrow once, you know, the season goes on. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll respond to that because you named one of my dark horses there. And we'll take a quick break. I'll come back. I'll give you what I think about that. That's a cliffhanger in the biz, folks. Stay around. And we're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary with you. And you just mentioned somebody that I was thinking of as a dark horse, Duke. Okay. I actually really like Duke's team. I like the path they've taken. It's been a nice, slow build. They've built the credibility of that football program up. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're at Coach K level of excellence, but they have... They have it moving in the right direction, and they're doing it the right way. They're really doing it the right way. This isn't like patching holes through the transfer portal. They're recruiting. They're building. I think they're, they've got a good foundation there. But they also have the toughest conference schedule by right. far, I think. And, and they somehow drew Notre Dame, too. <laughs> Yeah, like it's going to be a tough, tough schedule for them, and and honestly, it may falsely knock them down the standings a bit because I think they're a better team than their record's going to show. How much do you believe in Riley Leonard as a quarterback? I guess is the, like the ultimate question when it comes to Duke. I like their depth. I like Jordan Waters at the running back position. Couple of decent receivers there, um, led by Jalen Calhoun, the redshirt senior. So I, I think there's good pieces on that offense, but I'm I'm curious to note as to whether like there's enough there. You know what I mean? Right. And that's gonna go back to Riley Leonard, I think. I think it really could too. Riley Leonard, he's a question mark. He really is. I I just think their conference schedule's so so hard that I don't know that you're going to get a hundred percent evaluation of what that team is this year. I, I, it just seems to me like there's a couple there that they're going to drop whether they should or not. And I think no, uh, North Carolina is the beneficiary of that. I think they'll just keep racking up wins and, and run away mm-hmm. with this, with this division, Louisville. What do you think of Louisville this year? I, I always think about them. <laughs> I always, I always consider them. I remember them being a fast team with an explosive offense and eh, not so much recently, but they look like a middle of the pack team this year, don't they? I mean, it's going to come down to what Jeff Brom does in year one, right? I mean, Malik Cunningham, right? No more. 
Yep. There, there's there's a changing of the guard, so to speak, at Louisville. But I still think, like, think of those Purdue teams in the Big Ten under Jeff Brom. Like, they were never the class of the league, right? They just weren't. Sure. Like, with, with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, order them how you want. Probably Ohio State wanted that. They always won a game they didn't win. They always, not even that, not even that. They were always just pestery is the word I would use. They always were in it. Like I found that anytime I watched a Purdue game against Ohio State or against Michigan or against Penn State, like that's to me, like if you can hang with them, you're doing well. And they found ways to just chip away and to just like be a thorn in the side of those Big Ten teams. And now Jeff Brom at Louisville in a conference that, let's face it, is not as strong as the Big Ten with football. Like, give him some time, and he could build something very similar at Louisville that's just peckish, that's just, like, thorn in the side once again, that's just like, oh, we have to play these guys again. Like, they're that team on the schedule, not to say you don't want to see, but they're a team on the schedule that's always going to fight you. And they're a team that's always going to battle. And and maybe those are cliche words to describe it, but like you you know what I mean by that. Like no, they're a lot like teams. Iowa. They're, they're a lot like Iowa, that are Wisconsin. So annoying to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those just teams that are just hard with. to play because they they they're going to fill the trenches. The trenches are going to be filled with hosses. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a physical game. You're going to have to take what they give you on defense. You know. There's there's a lot of they can force you into errors just from you're not patient enough, right? And, they, and for that reason, they play hard. They They're stick hard around to play because they play hard. That's what it is. Now, Corey, I think the biggest shock in the ACC this year might very well be the the downfall of Virginia. Boy, that squad looks awful mm-hmm. this year. I and they were one of the best last year, but I, I could really see them falling completely off the table. What say you? You know, I, I Virginia last year under Tony Elliott, and again, he was a first-year coach last year, very successful run as a coordinator at Clemson, as we all know. And obviously what happened last year with the tragedy, the shootings at the University of Virginia, that is something that they had to work through and work past. And that played a role in what happened last season. There's no question about it from an emotional standpoint, the very tragic events that happened in Charlottesville right after Pitt visited there. So I don't want to dismiss that as anything. And look, Tony Elliott, I believe in him as a football coach. I believe in him as a recruiter. I believe in him as a program builder because of the experience that he had at Clemson. However, we have to kind of see the the wheels of the recruiting engine spin a little bit more in Virginia's favor. They haven't really done too great in recruiting. And again, give it a little slack because this is Tony Elliott's again, second cycle. I'm really glad football is very cyclical in that way. We have to remember that for all of the success that the Clemson's and the Ohio States and the Michigan's, and even we could say the pits of the world, because again, back-to-back rankings and top 20 and, you know, 20 wins over the last two seasons, you know, it's hard to consistently be a good college football program. And we're seeing some kind of cycle go through with Virginia right now. The bottom part of the ACC looks awful though. It really does. Like, I mean, I think the bottom five is eminently predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like Syracuse is going to be bad. Georgia tech is going to be bad. Virginia tech, Boston college, Virginia. Yeah. 
order how just, you want. Yeah, I just don't see any of those teams doing much of anything. Georgia Tech surprises me. Georgia Tech was a better program back in the day when they used to just be completely different, run mm-hmm. an option offense, play good defense. They, they would surprise some people and get their wins and get to bowl games and everything. They've gone with a more traditional offense, you know, in the last half decade or so. Mm-hmm. They're completely off the map. They're yeah. just not even even competitive at this point. <laughs> and I mean, they beat they beat Pitt last year, and then Jeff Collins is out the door not long after. I mean, right. That was just uh, you know, like the, we're long past the days of obviously Megatron and Jonathan Dwyer and all those players. There's a callback for you if you need it. Yeah. But that program, I, I can't tell you what they're doing. I could not tell you what they're doing. I couldn't tell you what they're trying to do either. Like, I I like the new coach. Don't get me wrong. I like this coach they have in place. But I just don't see a plan in action. Like, it, like the difference between Virginia and Georgia Tech for me is I can see that Virginia is at least trying to establish some sort of identity. Yes. And they're trying to at least be something. I couldn't tell you what Georgia Tech's trying to be right now. It just is a confused identity to me. Yeah, and the Hokies uh, at Virginia Tech, that used to be such a powerhouse, man. Like, you didn't want to play there. It was it was a disaster if you had a game scheduled there. You were going to lose. There was just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even if they had a down team, that home field advantage was just going to eat your soul. It's not like that anymore. There's no fear whatsoever playing Virginia Tech. I don't even, I don't see anybody even necessarily get up for it anymore. It's it's that program's just taking a nosedive. When you're going into that state, you know, that's still for what it's worth one of the tougher home environments to play in in the ACC with Enter Sandman, that stadium gets up for those games. I believe in Brent Pry as a head coach. I really do. I, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think there's a lot to like about his style. Even though Pitt kind of beat the doors off of them last year, that was the, of course, Izzy record-breaking, you know, breaks Tony Dorsett's record, ties a 110-year-old rushing touchdown record with six. Like, even though that happened, like, I still thought Virginia Tech was going to give Pitt a fight last year. Like, you talk about those five teams in the ACC, at the bottom of the ACC. Like, of those five, I think Virginia Tech has the most fight of any of them. I think they have the best chance – I think they have the best chance to break out of that bottom five, so to speak, and and maybe etch their way into like the seven to nine range when it comes to the finishing standings and everything. But there's still work to do. Again, Brent Price, second year coach there, so still work to do, still recruiting to do, still like more establishing to do, and and recruiting it is the big one. Like I think of those bottom five, we can tell that Virginia Tech has some sort of trajectory at least in the short term, right? Let's talk like over the next two, three years. Like yeah. if, we're, if we're sitting here in 2025 talking about Virginia Tech still at the bottom, then okay, something went wrong. But I think there's actually a vision and a projection to make for that program over the next couple of seasons. I would think uh, Clemson this year, we didn't talk too much about it, but Dabo Swinney is the, you know, he's the bee's knees as far as coaching goes in the ACC. Pat, Pat Narduzzi is right there too. I'd say they're the elder statesmen. You know, um, you probably would tend to like put a win in their column for that. You know, good coaching can tend to get you an extra win here and there. 
So I would think Clemson stays at the top for that purpose. Coaching. Their defense is what looks better than than normal in Clemson this year, though. Not the offense. It's been an offensive-driven program for years now, but their defense is what looks really, really good to me right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the staple of a Clemson team. You know, for all the for all the players that they have run through the mill in the offense, right? Think of the yeah. Trevor Lawrence's of the world. You can go back to the Sean Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Like for all of the offense, Travis Etienne, for all those players that they have run, Clemson football has made their money, has made their bread on defense. It has been the strong then it was the Brent Venables defenses, right? And obviously yeah. no more Brent Venables there. He's now the head coach at, at Oklahoma. Like they're had to be somewhat of a stylistic match for Dabo Swinney to go back into, you know, promoting a, a defensive coordinator. And and for basically that, like, do I call it tradition by this point? Like, again, when you think Clemson football, you don't think the like the like the spread like Ohio State runs, or you don't think the high octane point scoring machine you know, like USC is likely going to be this year. You think of a team that's really tough. You think of a team that is able to complement offense and defense really well, but it also starts with the defense. And I think that when it comes to Clemson's success this year, you know, when it comes to Florida State, we're looking at Jordan Travis. When it comes to North Carolina, we're looking at Drake May. But when it comes to Clemson, we're not looking at, you know, their quarterbacks or their running backs or their wide receivers or their skill positions. We're looking at their defense and how they're rooted and how they're built. So that's where the success of the Tigers is going to come from again this year. No question about it. Hey, I think that's interesting, man. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, let's talk about two powerhouse head coaches going at it, huh? back to the h2p podcast here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network Corey, your favorite subject apparently it's a weekly off-season tradition we're going to talk about coach prime and pat narduzzi going at it every week <laughs> new new stuff has happened mm-hmm. have at it sir oh yes new stuff has happened so look he has a right to defend himself right Deion Sanders has spoken up regarding what Pat Narduzzi said about his program and about basically the way it's being run right now and to to kind of run it back and recap what's happening. After the spring football game at Colorado, of course, where Deion Sanders is now the head coach, there was a exodus. There was a lot of players that entered the transfer portal. There were a lot of players that were leaving. And Pat Narduzzi was not a fan of that. And basically paraphrasing here, Uh, Pat Narduzzi said that that looks bad on college football. That is not a good look for college football. That's not a good look for coaches. Specifically, he used the word coaches in that college football coaches. And not the way he would have done it and all that stuff. Yeah. Right, right, right. Of course, it's not the way it would have been done a handful of years ago, several years ago by this point. But times have changed. We all know this. So interview on 247sports.com, Deion Sanders and I quote, what is his situation? What was his situation when he came to Pitt? He had a different situation than me. He is not mad at me. He is a, mad at the situation in football now 
that allowed his best player to leave a year ago. Of course, he's talking about Is Madison. He? Yeah, Jordan. He's not. He continues. He's not mad at me. He's using me to shoot bullets at another coach who he has an issue with. I don't know who he is. If he walked in here right now, I wouldn't know him. End quote. So, a nice little fire back there from Deion Sanders. Number one. Number two. And I and Pitt fans, I don't know how you're going to feel about this when I say this. I think they're both right. I think Pat Narduzzi and Deion Sanders are both right. I think Pat Narduzzi is right to say that having half of the roster transfer out is a bad look. I agree with that. I also agree with what Deion Sanders said in a way. I think there is a little bit to um, not specifically saying the Jordan Addison situation, but it's very, it's very clear that Pat Narduzzi is not a fan of the way things are run right now in college football, the way that the sport is going. It's not necessarily the way that he runs his ship, but it's the way that the sport is trending with the trajectory of the over the overusing, some would say, of the transfer portal, of how players are able to transfer out multiple times and essentially sit out how often they want. He said this last offseason when there was a rubber stamping and hasn't obviously been signed into law anywhere. There was a rubber stamping at one point of allowing players to transfer out twice to say, you can have the waiver once, you can have the waiver twice. You can transfer out two times and retain eligibility to play right away. Pat was not a fan of that at all. He, and, and he made a good point about it. It came down to academics. It came down to credits and academics transferring. It came down to how quick is a student athlete going to be able to earn their degree. And, and he's got a point on that. And I also think Pat Narduzzi has a point here when he says, yeah, having half of a roster transfer out because – Coach Prime went into a room on a hot mic and said, listen, we didn't recruit you here. We don't need you here, right? I think Deion Sanders has a little bit of a point that, you know, he Pat Narduzzi is in a different situation than Deion Sanders. Pat Narduzzi is in a different, like, scope and has a different method to it. And, look, I'm not saying this is old man yelling at Cloud either, but I think that, you know, What Deion Sanders is saying here is that Pat Narduzzi can't get with the times, and he's blaming that on Deion Sanders. Does that make sense? Like he's using Deion Sanders as a a reflector towards his own issues, towards his own feelings, towards – again, he he mentioned the Jordan Addison situation. So Again, though, he's asked about it, so he answers about it. You know, I don't I don't think Narduzzi like went out of his way to go, hey, let me get this off my chest about Coach Prime. Yeah, somebody asked him a question. He answered it honestly. We say we want this honesty from guys. We want them to answer questions, and then every time they do, we 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 build up this this wall of this has been on his mind. Oh, it's driving him nuts. He's he's mm-hmm. got this huge beef. I don't think he cares about Coach Prime. I think he just you asked a question, he answered it. Mm-hmm. He was irritated by the situation, but if you hadn't asked, and I don't mean you, but if somebody hadn't asked, he wouldn't have answered it. Mm-hmm. If somebody didn't give him a vehicle, it never would have come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think uh, Coach Prime knows him. I, I wouldn't think that. I think it's interesting that his first default is I'm famous. Good for you. We'll see how far that takes you you know, at this level of college coaching. Um, I don't know. Let's see what happens. If Dion fails, 
I, I think it it'll it'll be largely looked back on as a laughable event. This is why NFL stars don't make it as head coaches. You know, the whole narrative will go back to that type of thing. If he's successful, okay. Maybe he's got a leg to stand on to say everybody else get on this apple cart. And Mm -hmm. Pat Narduzzi has used the portal a lot Mm -hmm. to his benefit. Yes, he has. So I certainly don't think he hates it. Hell, his starting quarterback came from it two years in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody is Kenny Pickett. He's a rarity. You're not going to have that in this game a lot. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and if that's of- what Pat thinks is an ideal player, it's going to be a while before you see it again, brother. Uh, speaking of recruiting and such, uh, I guess we can call this breaking news. Um, new pet signal drop. So that is recruit number 18 for the 2024 class. And that's um, as we are recording number two on a Saturday here on June I- 10th. I thought he was just putting those out every time you and I mentioned this situation on the <laughs> podcast, but okay. I'm glad to hear it's a recruit this time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I got Corey. And hopefully it's the last time that we'll be talking about this prime Narduzzi thing. Although I'm sure somebody's going to ask Pat to respond to, to these comments and he will. It might be so, me. Who knows? I hope it is you. I mean, we need material, Corey. It's the off season. So do ask and, you know, make sure you push the envelope. Say like, yeah, he was even like making weird Italian hand signals. Pat, you got something to say? Like, you know, like I I think he's the supreme Italian head coach out in college football. Yeah, we'll have we'll have all kinds of fun. So we haven't uh, talked to Pat Narduzzi in a while. Uh, It's been since the spring since we got to coach dues. And, you know, me being on the field for Steelers OTAs, of course, he's, you know, there. He's on the south side. But, you know, not in a formal um, with EJ, you know, kind of on our shoulder saying, you know, tapping us and saying, hey, don't ask that or do ask that. (laughs) No, he doesn't say do ask that. Don't ask that. Um, EJ's the best. Shout out to EJ Borghetti, the great EJ Borghetti. We appreciate him and we love him here. Awesome. Hey, so that's all I got. If you don't got anything else, I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Go for it. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to YouTube. DK Pittsburgh Sports on Pit. You can find us on YouTube. Subscribe to us. We're podcasts are found DK Pittsburgh Sports. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Um, leave a like and share this episode if you enjoyed it. We really do appreciate that. And believe me when I say that goes a very, very long way when you do so. Um, so and that helps support me. That helps support Gary. That helps support you know, obviously the channels that help support DK Pittsburgh sports in the long run. So all of that is greatly appreciated. We appreciate you tuning in, whether it was the live stream on YouTube or, you know, it's the playback on the podcast. So Gary, another great show, even though there was a slow newsworthy week, so to speak here, uh, you know, in Western Pennsylvania and everybody's favorite college program, but um, we're going to keep it rolling here. We're, we're in the dead of recruiting season now. So <laughs> We're going to see more players commit. We're going to see more for this 2024 class. And, you know, before you know it, we'll be back into pit football training camp and getting our juices flowing for actual college football. We're pretty, we're getting pretty close. And like we discussed, a lot of the perennial powers are going to be starting to fall down this list in the ACC, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And once the smoke from Canada clears, there will be nothing to hide behind here on the the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. be safe out there if you go out. I believe it's supposed to clear up. We'll end the show the way we always do. H2P.